As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we speak with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. Amazon made a surprise announcement this week that they'll be expanding the audio content that comes with their popular Prime service. So we've got Jen Sargent, CEO of Amazon subsidiary Wondery, to walk us through the strategy. And then stick around for a special bonus second interview in this episode with J.D. Crowley, Chief Digital Officer at Odyssey. Podcast is a big piece of this radio company as it struggles to sell Wall Street on its vision for the future. But first, Jen Sargent right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. 
like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. are back with Wondery CEO Jen Sargent. Good to talk to you, Jen. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So first, let's just walk through what exactly Amazon Prime is bringing to the table on the podcast front. What had it done before and what is it moving to now? Yes. So um, before, uh, podcasts were available on Amazon Music. And Amazon Music is uh, broken down into three tiers. We have an ad-supported free tier. We have the Prime tier, which is a benefit for our Prime members. And we have Amazon Music Unlimited. Um, But now uh, Prime members can experience the most ad-free top podcasts from leading publishers like CNN, NPR, um, The New York Times, Barstool, uh, Slate, ESPN, um, along with our Wondery shows like Dr. Death and Business Wars and Smart Lists and Morbid. And they can experience them all ad-free. And it's for Prime members at no additional cost. So what was the rationale here? I mean, did you guys have data showing that Prime members wanted this kind of thing? Well, previously, we really haven't turned on a strong audio benefit for Prime members. We haven't made that a priority to let them know about it and to lean into um, some of the things that that we were already offering through the Amazon Music service. So this was um, an opportunity to add more value to our customers, and that's something we're always looking to do. But I'll also say that... um, uh, podcasts are a fairly new endeavor for Amazon Music. We we launched podcasts in the service about two years ago. Wondery was acquired in 2021. And um, we have been building our capabilities in the podcast space. And so now seemed like the right time to really open this up and, 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 and turn on um, these extra benefits for our Prime members. So you mentioned, you know, this started two years ago. Obviously, you started with Wondery, which was not always an Amazon subsidiary. How, you know, sort of trace back with us the Wondery arc and and how it sort of came under the Amazon umbrella? Sure. Um, So I joined Wondery in summer of 2018. And at that time, we were a fairly early stage VC-backed company. Um, and we were finding our legs in audio storytelling. Um, the uh, the founder of the company had come from Hollywood, and 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 many of the execs, including myself, have worked in or around entertainment and digital media. And uh, we saw an opportunity to bring Hollywood style storytelling to audio. That was kind of the genesis of Wondery. 
And as we started to build our portfolio of original shows and work into new formats and um, new genres, um, we started to gain more success. Um, Wondery has always been uh, supported by, by ads, by licensing, and um, with the launch of some of our early successes, Dirty John and Dr. Death, we started to get into TV shows. Um, and so those are kind of the three lines of our business. Uh, we continue to grow um, the business. And I think um, somewhere in 2020, uh, Amazon, uh, like, like many uh, large uh, media companies and tech companies, were looking at additional ways to engage with their, their, their customer bases. And podcasts, while arguably a nascent industry, um, really shows um, incredible potential. Um, in my opinion, you know, podcasts are for everyone, and um, there's very little friction for consumers from a technical perspective to downloading and enjoying podcasts. So it seems like a natural place and extension that Amazon would go, given their um, already uh, strong footprint in, in music and, and audiobooks. Podcasts were, were just a natural extension of that. So you know, uh, we obviously, you know, started conversations and it uh, turned out to be a, a great partnership, which led to a marriage, you know, how these things go. Um, and and so, yeah, we've been the family for a year and a half. So now that I've got the backstory on Wondery, I'm just curious about sort of the ad supported side of this business versus subscription. I mean, to some degree, I wonder whether doesn't doesn't having an ad-free subscription product possibly cannibalize, uh, you know, what could be done on the other side? We don't think of it that way. I mean, again, I mentioned podcasts are really nascent. We're trying to expand the pie. We're trying to grow this. We're trying to get more consumers into the podcast landscape. And that means a number of things. It's, it's, it means different distribution strategies. It also means just meeting consumers where they are. Um, through through the mediums they're already consuming. And so, uh, yes, part of our goal um, and the driver of launching this now is to really provide more value to Prime members. And, and with that, we feel that um, ad-free, and our customers have told us that ad-free is a really important benefit for them when it comes to podcasts. So, so that, of course, was our front and center you know, goal. Um, but we want to reach a broader set of consumers than, than prime members. And so that means going wide and the business model there is advertising and um, you know, advertising continues to be a really important part of Wondery's business model. It's something we're actively growing. It's something that's important to Amazon. And we think we can balance the two. Um, so we don't really think about it as cannibalization. It's more about expanding the pie and really getting more consumers into this medium. So it's not as if the ad business is reaching some sort of ceiling here. Oh, not at all. Um, not at all. Got it. And in terms of the, you know, there's other ad-free subscription versions of Amazon podcast. There's Wondery Plus. Uh, Apple, I think, has a version. I know they're not exactly the same offering, but again, that cannibalization question, you know, how do you not cannibalize Wondery Plus or Apple? Yeah, um, I again, we really don't think about it as cannibalization so much as um, th th there is a differentiation between the, the services. Um, One Plus is a um, pure play podcast player. 
Whereas Amazon Music is an all-encompassing um, audio experience. It's music, it's podcasts, it's really an entertainment service that includes a lot of different engaging uh, features like live streaming and merch. Um, so uh, yes, shows and content on Wondery Plus will still be ad-free, but the consumer intent is a little different. We're, we're really super serving those, those passionate um, podcast listeners who listen to you know hours and hours of podcasts a day on Wondery Plus, where our Amazon Music benefit is really servicing a broad audience of Prime members um, who uh, may have already discovered podcasts or may be brand new to podcasts. So um, we think those on-ramps are very different. Um, and then the extension on Apple um, is, is the same thing. It goes back to kind of meeting consumers where they are. Um, some consumers are not Prime members. And so we want to find them where they're listening versus if they are a Prime member, we want to deliver um, that value and keep increasing the value uh, for their membership. Uh, Jen, I wanted to continue on the content front, uh, particularly with the exclusives. I mean, uh, talk about what, you, what you've got at this point, because uh, I know part of this is new and kind of a name people will recognize. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of exclusive content, well, how much time do you have, Andrew? There, there's a lot here. Um, <laughs> let me go through some of the 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 um, the shows that, or, or the names that um, your uh, listeners might might recognize. So, um, first, we're really excited about a partnership that we did with Mister um, Ballin. Um, uh, he goes by Mister Ballin. His name is John Allen, um, and his company is Ballin Studios. But uh, John Allen, through his Mr. Ballin podcast, is one of the largest podcasters out there. Um, he was formerly a Navy SEAL uh, turned storyteller. He's actually an amazing storyteller. He comes from a long line of storytellers. Um, and John, uh, you know, got his start on, on TikTok and then launched on YouTube and, and just launched his podcast this February. And it has really been um, quite a sensation growing month over month. And um, he uh, shares stories of the strange, dark, and mysterious, and really has cultivated um, a large and growing audience. So we have partnered with him to bring Mr. Ballin exclusive to Amazon Music. And we're working with him to um, develop new formats as well for global audiences. So that's one of the shows that, that, that fans can uh, expect to find next week. Um, but just for a second, you, you mentioned local audiences. You're talking about the international versions? Um, we're looking at new formats um, that could apply to, yes, local audiences as well. Right. I just want to clarify for the listener, you mean international markets when you say local? Yes. Sorry about that. Yes. Um, uh, uh, countries outside of the U.S. Um, and we're we're actively expanding to local language uh, podcasts in markets like Germany and Japan and Mexico, for example. Got it. And uh, Kiki Palmer, a big name uh, we know here in Hollywood. Um, what is she going to be doing for you guys as an exclusive? Yeah, she has been so much fun to work with. So if you're not familiar with Kiki, she is really a multi-talented creator and influencer. Um, she is a musician, she is an actress, she is an influencer, and it turns out she's also a great influence, uh, interviewer. She's um, just a really curious person. Uh, her podcast is called Baby, This is Kiki Palmer, 
And um, she is really uh, going to be bringing on guests, um, picking a topic each week and uh, taking listeners down a rabbit hole with her um, around topics that she's curious about and interested in. Um, her first um, her first episode is actually going to be an interview with uh, Black China, and the topic is only fans, and it's a really fun episode. So, um, yeah, we're we're very excited to launch this new show with Kiki. So, how many exclusive offerings are there? There, there are quite a bit. Um, there are uh, really dozens of them right now um, on a global basis, and uh, we'll be continuing to put more shows into production as we get into 2023. Okay. And I'm also wondering, you know, there's obviously a business in terms of monetizing IP in other media. Uh, is that part of the strategy here uh, in terms of, I know not all podcasts fit that bill, but I'm curious uh, what you might be doing there. Yeah. So I, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, we uh, had some early success with our Wondery podcast pre-Amazon, taking uh, the IP and turning it into a TV format. And we continue to do that really successfully with the recent launch of, of We Crashed, with Joe versus Carol, with Dr. Death, um, The Shrink Next Door. And we have a robust pipeline of additional uh, podcast to TV adaptations coming up. Um, but we also look at other places and ways that the IP can be developed, um, whether that's merch or consumer product lines, uh, live events and experiences for our, for our fans um, or uh, books. Um, really, uh, it depends on the podcast. Like you said, not every podcast can be adapted to other formats, but we try to contemplate that from the beginning and where there is an opportunity, um, we're taking advantage and, and obviously being part of Amazon. Um, has been a huge help as we think about expanding and working with other divisions of Amazon on some of those initiatives. There's a lot of powerful competition out there in the podcast space. Um, you know, other platforms have exclusives. I'm, I'm curious, is there some sort of particular direction you're going in terms of differentiation, in terms of the mix of the content, uh, anything like that? You know, when when I think of it, I don't necessarily think of it in terms of our competitors. We really try to focus on our listeners and what is going to engage them, what is going to um, cause them to use their precious time to listen to 30 minutes or 40 minutes of a podcast, because that's a lot more valuable even than their dollar a lot of times. So we really try to start with the customer. Um, you know, in terms of the direction, just being part of Amazon and leveraging Amazon's capabilities, you know, beyond podcasts um, is really, uh, I think, quite a differentiator for our podcasts and for Wondery. Um, so we're really focused on, on how we can best um, bring that value to prime members. Um, but yeah, I, we're not, we're not um, actually hung up on any particular type of strategy. The, the, for, for me, the industry is very early and we want to see how this develops. So we are continuing with ad sales. We're um, leaning into prime members and offering that value. We're licensing and and um, you know adapting the IP as I mentioned. And we'll see how this industry evolves. And I think when we get signals that consumers have a preference um, for certain models versus others, then you know we'll adjust and adapt. But I think we're staying very flexible right now to uh, see what our con consumers tell us. You know, one particular issue that uh, some certain other competitors that I won't name that have faced 
is content regulation or moderation. I'm thinking obviously of Joe Rogan and Spotify. I'm curious, do you guys have a policy in place on this? Because I think where Spotify got in trouble is they really didn't. We do have internal policies on this. We also uh, try to look at the content at, 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 at the start of the relationship. You know, we, we, we scrutinize uh, the partnerships that, that we do, particularly for exclusives and originals. Um, and so uh, we, we, we try to be thoughtful on the front end, but yes, we do have internal policies um, around this to ensure. And um, we're constantly iterating and getting feedback. And uh, you know, when we encounter some, we haven't had something like a, a Joe Rogan, but I think any of the services, including us, are susceptible to this happening because we have many interview-based and talk-based shows. Um, so it's something that uh, you know we take very seriously, and uh, we're continuing to just adapt as as more um, as more information comes out, as we learn more about you know what's what's happening, and 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 we get feedback from our listeners. But we do have internal policies to make sure that we're keeping an eye on on what's going on. I was curious about just the subscription model for podcasts in general. It seems to me that the marketplace has been so ad-driven for so long. Do you sense out there that there is room for subscription? Um, yes. I mean, I think that uh, advertising really took off in podcasting because some of the earliest advertisers who leaned in uh, to podcasts were direct response, direct to consumer type advertisers. And they had such great results that they kept spending more. And so that the, the ad side of the industry grew very, very quickly. Now we see larger brands getting into it naturally um, because the industry is starting to scale more and offer more sophistication. So I think the ad side is definitely here to say. On the subscription side, I, I think it's a little bit of a chicken and egg where, where the industry had to develop to a certain point, a certain level of high quality content, a certain level of known and popular influencers and hosts uh, producing the content to really start to move the wheels on subscription around podcasts. Because when you don't have the quantity and quality of content there, it's hard to get consumers to pay unless they just really happen to love the particular host or, you, you know, have a passion point for that particular uh, piece of content. Um, but in general, I think we're just starting to see the early signals of what could make a successful subscription business. Um, but I think consumers are willing to pay. And we see that, you know, through Wondery Plus, through Spotify, now through Apple, and of course, through other membership mm -hmm. programs like Prime. We also um, see that in the streaming uh, TV space as well. You know, we 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 see it with players like you know Netflix and 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 um, and uh, Hulu and 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 certainly our our uh, our uh, uh, Prime Video service as well. So I, I think consumers are getting comfortable with subscriptions for this type of content. So um, we'll see how it evolves. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see the evolution here. Jen, I want to thank you for taking the time out and walking us through uh, what sounds like a very ambitious expansion. Andrew, thank you so much for the time today. We'll be back in just a minute. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. 
Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Now that you've heard from Jen Sargent, let's move on to another executive who knows the podcast business well, Odyssey Chief Digital Officer J.D. Crowley. I spoke with him on September 19th at Variety's Entertainment and Technology Summit. Thank you for joining us, J.D., who, you know, I I first got to know you when you were at CBS Digital. How did you get, you know, how did you get into the radio business, you know, Describe the evolution. Great question. Thanks, Andy, and uh, always good to see you. Um, so yeah, I, w- I was at Viacom and then CBS for a long time on the TV side, and learning how linear media becomes digitized and transforms distribution. Watched all my friends go through it in print. Y'all have done a great job of, of uh, growing your business. Learned a lot in TV. And about five years ago, I said, you know, the one of the traditional media that has not yet been really disrupted or digitized is audio. And it seems like there's an opportunity. It also seems like there's probably a playbook that we've learned. And if we could just run that playbook in audio, and at the time going to a radio company, um, I felt like the incumbents actually had a shot because there wasn't massive number of disruptors coming in. And so took that leap uh, when, uh, when at, then, at the time it was Entercom bought CBS Radio and came into the company then. And since then, we've uh, acquired podcast studios. We've built out a diverse digital business in our streaming and direct-to-consumer business. We've rebranded the company as Odyssey and uh, entered the sports betting space. It's been a really run, a fun ride over the last several years of diversification. What was the rebranding about? Well, at the time, we had a brand called Entercom that nobody knew. We had some assets that had CBS. And when you take a step back and you actually look at the company that is now Odyssey, uh, it's interesting. We actually own the first commercial radio station in the United States. KDKA in Pittsburgh, which was uh, started in 1920. So I guess in some form or another, we've been in the audio business for a century, really sort of pioneers in commercial audio. 
And you have that radio business. We're the first sports radio station ever created in WFAN in New York. We have a number of firsts in different formats. Obviously, the podcast business, which is growing quickly, and we've, we've had some sort of pioneering innovation there, a little bit of innovation in the technology side in the last year or two. And so this business name called Entercom didn't really fit the portfolio of assets and the amount of content we created and the way consumers and advertisers really knew us. So we felt like we, we needed to really come out as a new brand, as a new name, something that says to the market we're audacious, we're unapologetically audio, um, and really represents the breadth of content and creators that we have on platform. So spent some time doing some research, worked with some of our friends on the uh, buy side as well, and came out with Odyssey. Uh, in 2021. So it's only been about a year and a half, and it's been well-received by consumers and advertisers alike. We're very proud of it. What would you say are sort of the points of distinction in the marketplace that you're in? Because obviously there's, there's sure. other companies as competitors. What are you doing righter than them? Well, look, there's really four scale players in audio. There's Spotify, SiriusXM, uh, which owns Pandora as well, and, and Stitcher. There's iHeart, and there's Odyssey. And the four of us sort of have complementary businesses. What sets Odyssey apart and is different, beyond the fact that we reach 200 million Americans between radio, podcasting, and digital, what sets us apart is our real DNA in spoken word audio. If you look at audio consumption generally, audio captures almost one in three of every media minutes in the United States among adults. It's a massive number. It's well over four hours a day of media consumption on average. And about 75% of that is music. Well, none of the four of us actually own a music publishing catalog or, or a label, right? So we don't own that content. Um, and in spoken word, there's, there's a lot of ad networks and rep firms. What's unique about Odyssey is about 40% of our revenues actually are derived from content we own and produce. And that's unique amongst our competitive set, and it's given us a lot of uh, permission to enter things like podcasting, to enter things like our, our new BetQL sports betting network, and to enter other areas. And spoken word also creates connections and daily habits with listeners and with advertisers. Um, we love the music business. We do really well in it. But that spoken word and that ability to create our own content, own studios, and own our own destiny, is, I think, is what sets us apart. So, you know, when you lay it all out there, audio is booming. Mm -hmm. You guys are well diversified. But to hit the elephant in the room for sure. a second... Your stock got hammered this year. It did. What, what is Wall Street not getting? Because when I listen to it, it sounds like you know, nothing but upside. Great. You should be an analyst. Uh, <laughs> so look, if you go back to 2019 before COVID, we had just finished acquiring two podcast studios, Pineapple Street Studios and Cadence 13, two of the preeminent jewels uh, in the podcast space. We were just building out our direct-to-consumer streaming service. Ratings were on a rise. Reach was great in radio. Advertisers were starting to work at things like programmatic audio, and we were beginning to build on platform pipes. And then, of course, the world stopped. And the market went crazy. Everybody went down, including us. And we all went into triage mode, of course, right? And we were at the very beginning stages of our digital transformation, our direct-to-consumer transformation. And so as we came out of the pandemic and started to show growth, and then, of course, the economic uncertainty earlier this year hit as well. So every media company's down, you know, double digits. We're no exception to that. And, of course, starting from a, a smaller base post-COVID sort of puts us down where we are. That said, we still believe in our strategy. We believe our assets, as you said, are, are, we believe, very differentiated and powerful. And as we come out of this period of disruption, as our numbers start to grow and as we really show the street proof, and, and I think that's the key, right? Growth businesses have been 
uh, have turned into show me stories this year, right? They're not really in vogue as they have been. And so as our growth business comes out, as our spot business in linear radio begins to also recover, we think we'll get paid for that. So I look at this as a momentary disruption. We'll get through it, as will every other media company in the space, and we'll begin to get paid and recognized as we put points on the board. You know, I can't help but wonder, given that you guys are in linear radio, whether there might be some stigma attached to that. And if I could ask our friends in the back to pull up uh, slide two, I want to share. Uh, we did at Variety Intelligence Platform, we did a survey uh, getting people's attitudes about radio. And what was interesting, as you can see on the chart here, is that there are people clearly still value radio, but just as many people are finding podcasting as a replacement. They prefer streaming music, whatnot. So make the case for linear radio. Sure. Is this still something that has growth in it? Yeah, so it's interesting. When you look at perceptions and you look at data, many times they get dislocated, particularly in a business that's been around for 100 years, uh, like the radio business. Um, as I said earlier, one in three media min minutes are spent with audio. And actually, the vast majority of those are still spent uh, in ad-supported audio. And of those, the majority are with radio. 90% of all ad-supported minutes in a car are with linear radio. But out of that one-third of media time, only 9% of media dollars, of advertiser dollars, actually get spent in audio generally. Radio, podcast, streaming, et cetera. And so do you remember several years ago, Mary Meeker would do her slide decks. Sure. Um, she still does, obviously. And she comes out, and there's this mobile gap, right? There's mobile consumption up here, and mobile monetization is down here. And she looks at that as an area of opportunity. And we all talked about that mobile monetization gap. I think we and our peers in the audio space look at that 31% of time spent and 9% of ad spend and say, we're kind of where mobile was a few years ago. So there's this rediscovery of audio going on. Audio consumption is growing. Audio reach, radio reach, is the number one reach media in the United States. Over 90% of Americans listen to broadcast radio on a regular basis. Um, but you're right. There is a perception gap. You know what, what's going to change that, though? And I think what closes that delta between that 9% of spending and 31% of time spent is media buyers' habits changing. Right? Like, like video before it and like other forms of media, on-platform buying, unified platform buying is really changing in the buying industry. And programmatic audio is still very small as a relative share of total spend, but it's growing rapidly. And we know the playbook in video is exactly what's going to happen in audio. And so as advertisers begin to value impressions that they can't get in broadcast TV, by the way, uh, my, my former stomping ground, and are harder to find at least good, qualified, quality, brand-safe impressions in other forms of digital media, um, radio and podcasting and streaming all together become a really great asset. So I can make the case for linear radio because of the consumption, but the case really should be made for audio more generally and for how linear and streaming, targeted digital and podcasting, host-read and programmatic, how those work together for advertisers. And from a consumer perspective, as you said, the, uh, when you come outside, particularly of a, of a city like New York, where, where I live, um, consumers love their local radio station. They love their local personalities. They're starting to get them more on digital devices, though. And streaming radio is growing actually faster than podcasting today. Interesting. Well, as you can see from the data we've got up now, and by the way, take advantage of that discount code for Variety Intelligence Platform. Um, it does show that digital is growing. Mm -hmm. So... Now that we've discussed the linear slice of this, and we'll get to podcasts, sure. streaming radio. I, I, personally, I've, I don't think I've ever even streamed radio. It's either that linear or podcast. 
What am I not getting about this business? Sure. So it's still very early days in radio going, we'll call it over the top for all my friends in the TV business. Same kind of idea or, or direct to consumer. So our Odyssey platform, of course, iHeart's iHeart app is no different than a Disney Plus or an HBO Max or Paramount Plus, except that they are right now predominantly ad supported. And when you look at the data, consumers, you're right, have not spent as much time streaming radio because they're very satisfied with that. I get in my car, I turn it on, or I get you know uh, into the office and I turn on the radio. People did still have uh, radios in offices before COVID, and they love it. It works. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's really easy. The listening experience is great, easy to go. So we've started solving problems with streaming and radio listeners in the same way TV has. Um, our streaming product, which actually has a number of patents and interactivity, is a lot like how YouTube TV's interface works as a VMVPD. You can rewind live radio. You can go back and, and play shows from earlier in the day, all based in the clouds. We're now adding data where if you love this morning show, I'm a Boomer and Carton listener, or a, a Boomer and Geo listener, rather, in New York. I can go back and find exactly what they talked about in the morning. I can see they talked about the jets imploding. Hit that button, and it goes right to there, right there to that segment. So we're doing those kinds of things to make radio streaming more appealing to customers who want to get it on more digital devices. You also have smart speakers. Smart speakers have been a great boon. Radios in the homes, it's no secret, have declined, but they've actually just been replaced by smart speakers. And it's really easy to say, play K-Rock or play K&X. Um, and so those are, those are driving growth. And then as people get back to work, we're actually seeing desktop listening increase. People like listening to the radio during the day because it's curated, it's handcrafted, it's a companion tool, there's personalities there. And so we're going to do more on the streaming side to do things like change the ad experience. Our streams don't need to be measured by Nielsen in the same way Linear does. They don't need to be bought in the same way. So we can do things like interactivity, ad experience. And then again, bringing our content to people on demand whenever they want it um, is something radio has not historically invested in up until the last few years. Um, lastly, I would say that data point I referenced earlier. So, so podcast listening captures about 6% of all listening time in the U.S. Streaming radio is now up to about 5%. And as I said earlier, it's growing faster than podcasting. So we see a world where consumers will say, streaming radio, podcasting, it's all the same thing. I like my personalities. I like the companionship, and I want to get it on my phone or my laptop or my smart speaker or the speaker in my toaster someday. It doesn't matter to us. Wherever you get it, um, audio kind of engages in a different way, and that's, that's why I think we'll see growth in the next several years. Well, before we dig in on the podcast side, and there's a lot to dig <laughs> into there, you mentioned COVID, sure. and I wanted to get a sense from you of how, if at all, that disruption, that multi-year disruption changed audio habits, whether for the entire industry or just your company. Well, to show you how big linear radio is as a share of time, all audio time actually took a, tr a big decline during COVID. There was a trough. We have a survey called Share of Ear, which is measured quarterly and goes back to 2014. And if you look at it from 2014, things were steady. And then as we headed into COVID, you saw this really big V trough. Well, the good news is as of second quarter of this year, we're back to those 2014 levels. That's due to the growth in linear. It's also actually due to the growth in streaming, and it's due to the growth in podcasting. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think, as I said before, streaming audio is going to, streaming radio will continue to have an effect on growth overall. I think that linear consumption reach is still where it was pre-pandemic. Um, and I actually think the, the, the disruption is beneficial because it drove sampling of some of these products, like more podcasting, like streaming radio. And from an advertiser perspective, look, they, they just want more impressions. They just want more reach. They just want more targeting. And so audio is retooling itself to give it to them across platforms. Another macro circumstance I want to unpack is look at the state of the economy today. Sure. I don't know whether a recession is coming or not. Inflation is certainly out of control. 
how is this impacting your business? I mean, I don't think it's probably uh, impacting the listeners, but I got to imagine marketers are maybe a little gun shy. Yeah, if, if anything, it actually drives listening up, right? Uh, radio and podcasting are free, and um, I think will continue to be for the foreseeable future. And in times of disruption, people want companionship. They want personalities they know. So if anything on listening, it's, it's a net positive, if anything. On the marketer side, you know, there's countless studies out there that show that advertisers that cut back during COVID, during prior recessions, see an impact on sales. And that's why I think you're seeing this kind of mixed data from a macro perspective in the market. Um, the thing that radio has always had going for it, which kind of cuts both ways, it has always been the lowest CPM media. It's always been the lowest cost provider. If you're an advertiser and you want reach, there's no place to get it like radio. TV doesn't deliver it. Print doesn't deliver it. Out of home doesn't deliver it. And they always have the lowest CPMs in media. Now, as a guy who comes out of digital and TV, I think that's probably also a bad thing. And I think we need to raise our rates. But that said, uh, for advertisers, you can get really efficient buys with the reach that radio provides you. What they can do now that they couldn't do in 2008 or during COVID is layer on heavy targeted streaming media, is layer on podcasting, host endorsement, and targeted buys. And so by doing these multi-platform buys with folks like Odyssey and, and our scale peers, um, advertisers can have incredible efficiency lower rates can get more reach, more frequency out of, their, out of their buys. And we've actually seen, and no offense to my TV friends in the room, but we've seen a lot of advertisers who've had success shifting portions of their TV budget into radio and into multi-platform audio and actually delivering significantly greater outcomes for, for ROI. So I think the, the recession, potential recession, if anything, is an opportunity for more advertisers to discover that if we can make it easy to buy. Well, you mentioned the advantages is that the low barrier to entry sure. is free. Um, but there's been talk uh, as, as we get into the podcast, podcast space, subscription podcast may be a thing. Is that something you guys are looking at? Yeah, I mean, today we are a reach vehicle. We want to get our content and our creators. We have a ton of creators in our company, as you would imagine, given how much original content. Anytime I say that or anytime I talk about licensing, we do have a licensing business that is good. We do windowing. But anytime we start to talk about that, immediately a creator in the room will say, but I want as many people to hear my work as possible. And so that's a part of our DNA. We understand ad-supported media. Uh, we understand reach and scale and distribution. That's not to say that there's not consumer revenue models that'll take hold in our streaming business, maybe in the podcast business. We're experimenting with some of those. There's also, just like you all have done, expanding into events and other types of consumer revenue. So I think it's a little too early to decide is one model or the other. I think podcasting will be a diverse set of models, not unlike YouTube influencers. And there's probably a role for subscription to play in that. But today we're most excited about the fact that we just want to keep growing the pie of uh, what is already a massive amount of listeners. So talk about what creators you have in-house there. I mean, there's obviously a bunch of different pieces to the podcast puzzle, but let's go one at a time. Sure. And, and you know, as you said, the barrier to entry is low, uh, except unless you're, you know, very good at doing this, in which case it can be a little bit higher. But the cost relative to TV are still very low. COVID actually also helped grow our podcast creating business, our studio businesses, because people couldn't go to set. They couldn't shoot. And so they could stay at home. We could send them a great quality microphone and they could record uh, great shows. And so whether it's a Glennon Doyle, who's a part of our Cadence 13 studio, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, we have a great partnership with Puck News, with Punchbowl, with a number of news businesses. We have a great influencer business called Bramble. It's actually a joint venture with our friends at UTA. And that's everyone from Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio to Smosh to uh, Rhett and Link, uh, Emma Chamberlain. That's a great business for us. Um, a lot in sports, Stephen A. Smith and a number of other creators there. 
We even have narrative businesses. John Meacham, the historian, is a great partner of ours. We have an imprint with him. Doc Rivers is a part of that as well. Um, and then we have a big growing original studio at, at Cadence 13. So a number of shows gone south and others which have been at the top of the charts and gotten a lot of critical acclaim. And we actually even launched a features business. Uh, we did our first one in partnership with Endeavor Content and expanded that business where we're taking scripts which are made for feature-length films developing in them and producing them as podcast firsts. Our first one was with Kiernan Shipka called Treat. Our second one, Ghost Riders, was with uh, Adam Scott and Kate Mara. And those are ultimately destined to become feature films, using podcasts not only as a way to build audience, but as a way to develop IP cheaply, uh, or relatively cheaply, compared to what a traditional development window. So that, that's our Cadence 13 business, and that is a big scale-based business. We also have a studio called Pineapple Street. Uh, many of you may be familiar with them. They do the top companion podcasts. They did Succession with HBO. Um, winning Time. They've done a ton for Netflix, including Don't Look Back's companion show. They do a lot of work for brands like Nike and Google. But they also create some of the biggest uh, sort of chart-topping podcasts, uh, Wind of Change. Uh, they did Missing Richard Simmons uh, way back, and they have a number of hits out this year. So they're a high-quality boutique studio, and, and they actually have a slate deal with Amazon, one of the first slate deals I've seen in podcasting uh, for a partnership for four shows, and, and I'm sure we'll do more there. So that's a great business for us. And then, and then, you know, remember, we also on the radio side have, uh, let's say, a thousand talent across the company, across the top 50 markets in the U.S. Um, and so we're creating a ton of content there, both local engagement as well as in sports. We launched a new studio last year called 2400 Sports. In its first year, it now has over 100 shows covering all NFL teams, NBA teams, MLB teams. And we've got writers and our talent and former players who are hosting podcasts targeted directly at those fan bases. It's growing like crazy. So, you know, podcasting today is about creating content that resonates with listeners and then holding on as it goes so fast and scales so fast. It's a lot like the early days of YouTube. Collaborations are big. Word of mouth is really big. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you have an intimate relationship with a listener. As you know, strictly business. You have your, your earbuds in their Podcast ear. plug. They're walking around uh, the streets of Manhattan or driving here in their car in L.A. or, or on the train or at home doing dishes at night. That's me. Um, and so you're inside their earbuds, and there is no more intimate type of media than that. And if you can tap into that intimacy and relationship with an audience, um, you're going to have a million downloads before you know it. So that, that's our podcast business on the studio side. I should say on the advertiser side, we also have a platform called Podcorn. Podcorn has, it's sort of the mid-tail business. The 70,000 creators, it's unique. No other platform has that kind of scale. And this is great if you're a brand that wants to come in and say, I want to find 1,000 shows that have really niche but powerful deep audiences in, let's call it uh, road cycling. And so with Podcorn, you can come in as an advertiser. You can find these 1,000 shows in road cycling. They've got real niche audiences, and you can very easily buy a host read personal endorsement ad across all 1,000 shows with the push of one button. So that's a great platform. We bought it about a year and a half ago. It's scaling like crazy. Great co-founders um, who are good friends of the family. And, and so we believe there. That platform, though, is also allowing our team to go in and find creators that would have never otherwise been discovered and then potentially offer them deals for radio, for podcasts, et cetera. So that business is a huge multidimensional business, but it's got a great flywheel, flywheel to it. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot there, and it makes me wonder ballpark, you know, in terms of podcast, digital, mm -hmm. linear, in terms of revenue contribution, what is that mix shift looking like? 
Well, so uh, before the pandemic in 2019, our digital revenues represented about 9% of our total company revenues. And it probably won't surprise you today that we are nearly a quarter digital when it comes to revenue mix. And obviously that digital is growing and continues to grow double digits. It's also a nice diverse business. As you mentioned, we have our streaming business, we have our podcast business, and we we actually also have a digital agency business that local advertisers, about 5,000 of them, can help uh, activate their search campaigns, their connected TV campaigns, their email campaigns. And each of those businesses um, are are roughly about the same in terms of size and focus. And then during the pandemic, we entered the sports betting business, which has been taking off. Of course, we bought an app called BetQL, which is like a uh, a subscription business, sort of like a Bloomberg terminal for betting. If you want to know what uh, has the most profitable outcome for tonight's bets, BetQL will tell you. But why we bought it is we turned it into a content marketing business. We created a BetQL network the leading sports betting podcast in the U.S. And so that's what we know how to do. We know how to make content. And any space we enter, like a sports betting space, we're going to take something that has data and turn it into content and turn it into big audiences. So those four businesses are our digital business. You know, there's great adjacencies and synergies between them. And you could think about other kind of adjacencies to those businesses that we might be interested in in the future. Well, if there's one recurring theme here, it's sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems to be kind of the specialty for your company. And Sports betting, I would imagine, is really going to supercharge that. That's right. Look, we are the, by far and away the number one sports audio company in the United States, both in radio and in, and in audio more generally. We're also very deep in news. Those two together contribute to that market share in spoken word. And, you know, you got to know how to do this kind of content. It's really hard to uh, open up. I'm a huge sports fan. You and I sit down and record a sports podcast. I don't think anybody in this room is going to listen to it. Probably more because of me than you. So you got to really know what you're doing. You got to know how to engage an audience. Talking about sports is about building characters amongst folks in the show. It's about really tapping into storylines, knowing when great is great and when not great is also great, and understanding how to play that role, uh, engaging fans. So there's a real competency that has to be built. And I think that's why, whether it's sports podcasting, whether it's sports betting, that DNA in sports has allowed us to really quickly enter and scale in those markets. I mean, if there's any obstacle in the podcast business, and I think you were kind of alluding to this, it's discovery. Mm -hmm. There's just so much out there. So how are you able to take care of what's underneath the Odyssey umbrella and make sure that it's really maximizing its audience potential? Look, we used to say podcasting was an 80-20 business where 80% of the dollars and audience went to 20% of the shows. I would say now it's probably a 95-5 business Wow! Um, because there are just so many shows. Anyone, uh, including our new sports podcast we're going to launch next week, could launch a podcast. It's very easy to do. And so that means you got over 3 million podcasts, probably 4 million by the time we're done here. Um, this is where the power of a network and the power of a group of shows together really matters, whether it's us or some of our, our peers. Um, you know, our podcast business has reaches about 50 million people globally every month, a little over 30 million in the U.S., almost one in three podcast listeners. And so what we do is, just like other kinds of media, we let the shows talk to each other. We cross-pollinate hosts. We promote one show from another. The best way to discover podcasts is, no surprise, on another podcast. Yeah. So whether it's promoting on our Podcorn network, whether it's promoting within our own shows, that's really the best way to discover it. But I will tell you, owning a radio business that reaches a couple hundred Americans isn't bad either. And so that allows us to not just run ads, but when we did Gone South, which was a true crime story in New Orleans, we were able to have the reporter call into one of our New Orleans stations. They spent an hour on the phone talking about this case. And the numbers in New Orleans the next day threw off the charts. So, you know, having that radio business, the streaming business, and of course that podcast network, today that's really the best way to get discovery, even more so than leaning on promoted uh, posts on the platforms or charts or things of that nature. 
But you're also in live events to some degree. We are. How material is that? Look, it's a really important part of our overall portfolio. Uh, we have We Can Survive coming up here next month at the Hollywood Bowl. We just announced the lineup. We have uh, Odyssey Beach Fest in Florida coming up, Stars and Strings, which is a country event in Florida. We do these great multi-artist events. We also do live events in sports. We do coach talks and things of that nature. Um, and we've done other sort of civic engagement work, which is a really important part of our company. We've done that in our news business. We'll do that leaning into the election. You know, radio and events have always worked very well together because people, when somebody in the morning radio show or on your drive home says, you got to check this out, you got to come to this event, you got to come touch this artist or this athlete or this coach or learn from this influencer, um, people really lean into that. You know, virtual events on the music side we were talking about have been a little bit tricky. But I will say, uh, Glennon Doyle, one of our podcast hosts who has an amazingly engaged community, did a virtual event for us. And we had, I think, 50,000 people concurrently live streaming this event who were part of her community. That doesn't just happen in, in live events. So again, I think that connection of talent uh, and the ability to activate local audiences who are the ones going to these events um, is a real differentiator for us and, and for the industry generally. Well, I mean, as this conversation proves, there's a lot of pieces in the Odyssey puzzle, but you've done a good job of explaining how it all comes together for this broader picture. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, J.D. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. Always good to see you. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.